Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this week's show. Just wanted to give you a couple quick reminders before we actually start the episode. One, we do have a Facebook group now, so in your Facebook app, just search for The Rail Splitter and join the Facebook group. It's a really fun little community where we can talk about each show and you can hear from us from time to time and share some stuff about Lincoln. Uh, There was just recently a post with a couple Lincoln tattoos and we'd love to see if there are any more out there. That was kind of a neat little thing. Uh, also, we're on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, which is at RailSplitterPod. So check us out there. And if you get a chance after sh- the show today, run over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate that. We love to hear your feedback. Thank you for tuning in. Please recommend the show to any friends that you know that may be interested. Uh, reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and keep enjoying the show. Thanks again. This week on the Rail Splitter, we are at the Lincoln Home with Ranger Rose Harmon. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition. Excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. We're coming at you live from the land of Lincoln, very literally this time, because we are about, I don't know, 50 feet from the Lincoln home in Springfield, Illinois, which is so exciting. I'm your co-host, Jeremy. Along with me is co-host, Nick. Hey, what's going on? The bad weather continues to follow us. So we had the, the tornado, then we had the, the heat, or whatever you want to call that, and now the torrential downpour, so... And it's been it's been interesting. And for those of you that are listening there who are not in Illinois, it's basically summer is what that is. So uh, we're so excited to have Ranger Rose Harmon of the Abraham Lincoln Home uh, through the National Park Service. Welcome, Ranger Rose. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here today. We're excited for the show. It's uh, it's a great place. I get so excited when I'm here. Um, and Ranger Rose, I want to start um, first by saying um, some of my best memories as a child are coming here. Um, I, we, as a family, we went to the Grand Tetons. We went to Yellowstone. Just two weeks ago, I was at Rocky Mountain National Park. And I just want to say the National Park Service is such a national treasure and such an, just such an amazing piece of who we are as Americans. So I want to thank you for working for, for the work that you do just as an organization and, and as an individual within that organization. Um, and and just, I just want to go on record saying how thrilled I am as an American that we have such a wonderful park service. Wow, thank you. Um, it's actually really humbling, I think, to hear that when people are just so um, happy about their national parks and they're so excited when they bring their families there. Um, it is a it's an honor to be a national um, park ranger. It really is. To me, this is the best job in the world, and thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. And I encourage everybody, go visit your national parks. Find your park. Okay. Um, I, I agree. Um, checking out the national parks, um, we don't have a huge amount of them in Illinois, but you know, it's, it's a great country to travel. So once again, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you to the National Park Service. Um, can you tell us a little bit about... Um, Because to me, it's just amazing that you get to get up in the morning and walk into 
Abraham Lincoln's home, and they pay you to do it, which is just awesome. Uh, what brought you to the National Park Service? Believe it or not, it was Abraham Lincoln who brought me to the National Park Service. Um, I was in grad school in August of 2006 was when I started grad school um, here at uh, University of Illinois at Springfield. And I knew when I started grad school, I wanted to study Abraham Lincoln. I wanted to study the Civil War. That was my goal. And it was also my goal to work at a historic site. However, at that time, I didn't know that that existed within the National Park Service. I thought I would have to go maybe travel east or travel west. Um, I didn't realize I had that opportunity here in Illinois. And then um, as a grad student, you know, you travel to the different museums. When I moved here, I'm like, okay, I'm going to visit Springfield. Show me everything. And I took a tour of the Lincoln home, and I realized this is a national park? You're kidding me. And I talked to one of the rangers, and she asked me, she's like, are you in school right now? And I said, yes, I am. And she's like, well, you know, there is a program through the National Park Service that while you're studying, you could be a ranger. And my, my mind exploded. Um, I wish, like, just, I wish everybody could have just seen the excitement on my face when this ranger told me this. So I got involved, and so I went and talked to the uh, lead ranger at that point, and then ever since then, I started working for the Park Service. I also was offered um, a great internship through the curatorial department um, here at Lincoln Home, and that was amazing too, because not only was I in front of the public being able to uh, talk to them about Abraham Lincoln, but I also found this wonderful um, behind-the-scenes internship, and it just helped me um, gain even more respect for Abraham Lincoln and more respect for the Park Service as well and all the things that they do to help make sure that the historic integrity of this home as well as all of the historic sites um, have and make sure that we present that um, wonderful resource to the public. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's fascinating um, about just, it, it's interesting to me because you, you kind of wear so many hats. I mean, people probably ask you about your hat a lot with the the, <laughs> <They do. laughs> the the fun ranger hats. But like, you're you're a historian. You're you 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 work for the national park. You're a steward of history, both as as an educator, as a historian, as a conservation. I don't know if conservationist, obviously in the national park, but also of history. I just think that's so so neat. Yeah, yeah, very fascinating. Um, what was it about Lincoln that kind of drew you to him? Um, because you said you've had this mm -hmm. goal for so long. So yeah. what was it that? You know, that, that's a great question. And um, prior to 2006, um, my, uh, my major in college, believe it or not, was theater. Um, I was trying very hard to be an actor. And it's tough <laughs> being an actor. And I got a job at a museum to help pay the bills because... Being an actor wasn't working out, so I got a job at a museum out in Naperville, and that kind of started me on the road. And I started kind of thinking to myself, wait a second, there seems to be more. And I started um, just kind of doubting myself a little bit as an actor. Um, I didn't feel like I belonged in that world anymore, but I knew I didn't belong in the world of history because that wasn't my background just yet, even though I may have had a love of it. I just didn't feel like, oh, 
can I mean, everybody around me is so smart. And I'm just, uh, you know, an actor. Oh, my goodness. I get that feeling all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's not to say that actors aren't smart, by, by the way. But, but when you're in a completely different world, just like if you were to plant a historian in the middle of a theater production, they're probably going to be like, wait a second, what's going on? So it's just different, um, different intellectuals in, in different, different ways. So I came across um, a book on Abraham Lincoln, Team of Rivals. Um, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that. And I don't know what happened, but it was all of a sudden like a fire just lit. And when I read about Abraham Lincoln and his struggles, because he, he, um, he only had about, what, close to like nine months of education that was mm-hmm. it. But yet here was this man who persevered, who said, no, I am going to better myself. I'm going to learn about the world. And by the way, Shakespeare very much influenced Abraham Lincoln, which I thought was very cool because coming as a theater person, I'm like, wow, Shakespeare had a hand in helping Abraham Lincoln. This is amazing. So when that connection was made, it really made me feel better about myself and that I can start all all over, I can go back to school, and I can learn as much as I can about this person, about the Civil War, and then feel comfortable, I guess, in that world of museums and historians and things like that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I mean, it's, I hear that a lot about Shakespeare. And I think there are some historians who would argue that no other person, perhaps, arguably, or maybe no one other than his immediate family, had more of an influence on him than Shakespeare. It was, it, you know, it wasn't kind of like, oh, also this. It was, you know, I mean, and that's one common thread throughout history. Like, people that can quote Shakespeare off the, you know, off the cuff uh, tend to be intellectual or, you know, have a weird, have a, have a unique blend of intellectualism and emotion and feeling and compassion and you know like it's it's not something that's um, you know how you're talking about not feeling that smart i never quote shakespeare dang it <laughs> you know what would be if we had if, like if i had a shakespeare quote right now for this situation it'd be like what would be perfect unfortunately i don't so <laughs> but yeah that's great so um so you you've you've get now you kind of have this this fire lit with your you know enthusiasm and love for lincoln um and that brought you to the lincoln home or did that bring you to the national park service and then yeah at, first, yeah, at first it brought me um, to, the, to the Lincoln home because it was, ne- it was about my love of Abraham Lincoln. And then with working with the Park Service, then that is what blossomed into a love of the National Park Service. And after Lincoln home, um, I was able to go to um, Death Valley, California. And there they don't talk about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Um, believe it or not. Um, so it was really from there that I really kind of gained that knowledge of being a ranger, being out there, walking the land, um, helping people um, who got caught in the desert mm-hmm. <laughs> and making sure that they're okay and delivering um, safety messages and um, just being out there in the desert was something that just um, truly helped just grow that love of the National Park Service. Yeah, and that's, and, and one other quick plug for the National Park Service, every time I've gone to a national park, whether it's here at the Lincoln Home, the, the rangers are so knowledgeable of every aspect of the park. They're pristine, they're, you know, it's, it's the, the only changes to nature are to get humans around, mm-hmm. and that's it, and it's just so, so moving for me. Um, so, and it's interesting to hear you kind of talk about going from being a 
you know, a Lincoln fan over to Death Valley and, and learning and working. And I just think that's and so sweating, cool. Sure. And sweating, Oh, absolutely. But it's yes. a dry heat, so it just evaporates, right? And everything's all good <laughs> at 125 degrees. How many people get stranded out there? In Death Valley? Yeah, does that happen a lot? Um, you know, sometimes um, I think people, um, they forget how to... Um, Bring water. You know, bring water. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a little bit of a part of it. Um, but I think sometimes they just forget where they're at. They are just so impressed by the beauty of Death Valley that all of a sudden they kind of turn around and go, wait, which way did I, <laughs> which way did I come from? And so I think that's what kind of turns them around a little bit. Um, so I was there during the summer. Um, and so we kind of tried to make sure that people were kind of where they were supposed to be along those beautiful vistas and encourage them not to do any kind of strenuous hiking. The best time to do hiking in Death Valley is actually uh, really from November to March. So if you want to hike Death Valley, that is the time to go. So how do you then, because you're kind of responsible for thousands of acres mm -hmm. and, you know, some of it is, you know, probably pretty out there. How do you go from that expertise and then come back to the Lincoln home, <laughs> which I, I tried to see like, what's the smallest national park? Cause this has got to be um, close or at least right. it, it's it, it, it percentage is wise, like the percent of Yellowstone, you know, it's like, it's very tiny. Uh, but I'll, but there's so, it's so different and there's so much here. Absolutely. Um, so different parks have different needs. Um, and being at another park was probably one of the greatest um, ways to make me a better ranger. I think, um, being at Lincoln Home made me a better interpretive ranger maybe out at Death Valley, but being in Death Valley and really kind of getting a sense of, um, you know, just the grandeur of everything, I think also just made me a better ranger at Lincoln Home. So uh, that's why I think you find rangers, um, that's one of the reasons why I think a lot of us are attracted to this job, because a lot of us do want to go to different places, learn more to help make us a better ranger. Uh, you're right, though, from Death Valley, so 3.4 million acres, to Lincoln Home, four blocks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a little bit of um, a different, but still, my message remains the same at both parks, and that is experience your park, um, learn about your park, um, help us protect this resource, uh, learn about um, the responsibility that we all have for our parks. And that's the same message whether you're, you are at Lincoln Home or at Death Valley with the National Park Service. Right, and that's kind of a theme that we've talked a lot about on the show, how these things belong to us as Americans and really just as people. You know, we welcome citizens in the world here also. Absolutely. Um, so any sort of damage or, or, or I guess it's all, I should say it's all of our responsibility to make sure that these, th in my opinion, to make sure that these things stay the way they are because it's such a great experience for me as a young, when I was a young person and still now, just to stand and see the front door that Abraham Lincoln walked in and the nameplate and, you know, um, and it's just so amazing and it would be such a tragedy. And we, you know, and, and I'll ask you in a little bit how close we came to perhaps losing it or at least losing a little bit of what it, what it is. So, um, I do think that it, you know, it belongs to all of us. So it's kind of all of our responsibility to make sure that these things are, are, are here for our children and everything else. Mm -hmm. As a park ranger, because I know you, you know, you got from Lincoln to or Death Valley to the Lincoln home here. 
Are you encouraged as a park ranger to experience multiple parks? Is that left up to the individual? Um, how does that kind of play out? Yeah, we are definitely encouraged um, to learn about different parks. We're encouraged to experience different parks. So I'm a seasonal ranger. Um, so what that means is um, my season here at Lincoln Home technically ends in November. So from November to April-ish, um, in theory, I could go to another park learn what I can about that park, and then hopefully maybe also then be rehired um, back here at Lincoln Home or make the choice to go to another park. And it is our choice um, to go to different parks. Like nobody forced me to go to Death Valley or anything like that. That was my choice. And so you interview, you send your resume, you know, what you would do for any other job. And you just try to make sure that the best park fits for you. So even though I loved my experience out at Death Valley, and I would go to Death Valley in a heartbeat, um, but even but my background is history. So I do. So now when I look at parks, uh, well, Lincoln Home is always going to be my number one, always, no matter what. Um, but I do look at Gettysburg, Fredericksburg. You know, those are the places that I do keep an eye out for for me to go to eventually in my career. Is there a click that emerges amongst park rangers? Because you have, you know, kind of your, um, like your Death Valley, you know, that's more yeah. of this open area nature. And then you have your historical ones where it's more of the history. So do rangers end up in clicks? Like, where are the Lincoln, where are the history <laughs> rangers? And where are the, you know, where are the outdoor rangers? You know what? Um, in all honesty, rangers are among the best people I've ever met. Um, you know, have you ever heard like the term, like you found your people, you found uh, where you belong. And that's how I felt with rangers, um, no matter what. All of us come from such diverse backgrounds. Um, like there are rangers here um, at Lincoln Home who, um, who've been out in uh, more natural environments. We have a ranger here who was from like the Apostle Islands. Uh, in Wisconsin, and then you also have another ranger who is at Cape Hatteras. Um, so we just have rangers from all around. So just the fact that I think we're all rangers actually is what kind of um, bonds us together. Um, rangers are wonderful in a sense that I don't think we like to separate. You know, we're not, it's not like the Jets and the Sharks. <laughs> um, it's like, no, 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 we're all rangers and we're all here with that same passion. All right, that's good to hear. I like when, <laughs> I like when people get along. Uh, one other question I was just thinking about here, when you were talking about kind of your your, your theater background, um, you know, we're educators in the classroom. It really is a performance, and then you know, and then you're seeing groups of people mm -hmm. um, all day, and you're there, and you you know, ultimately the spotlight's on you in a lot of the cases. Do you kind of find that you know it, it is a performance, and does that theater background help you? It definitely helped me in the beginning um, because at the beginning I was so insecure about myself. I was so insecure about my knowledge of Lincoln um, that I think I did fall back a little bit on that more performance type of deal. Um, but I think as I've grown as a ranger and grown in my knowledge of Lincoln, I think um, it's become a very healthy mixture now of hi, everybody, 
and okay, now we're going to move forward with our interpretive theme. I'm going to make sure that you've left here not only with a positive experience, but also with what we like to call a takeaway message, something for you to think about after long after the tour has ended. So definitely it ha- it definitely served me well in the beginning and it continues to serve me well. Um, but I'm just grateful that I've been able to grow as a ranger. That, uh, that's very interesting. And, and I was kind of thinking about this when Nick was talking about like the historic nature and the teaching nature of, of being a ranger, being a ranger here. Uh, Nick and I uh, went to a conference in Philadelphia together a few years ago when we went to Independence Hall. And it, which was a great National yeah. Park Service tour. Um, we had, it was great, and the ranger was outstanding. And we had, there was a couple people who were like playing Stump the Ranger, and they were just asking about every obscure signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he had an answer for every single, it was, a, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He was like, what about, you know, whatever, some obscure name, somebody that signed it from Georgia or something. Oh, yeah, well, he was a farmer and this and that. And that. You know, it was so cool. So um, I'm sure you run into that every now and then. But how do you, um, you know, learn about, like, what's your approach to learning about Lincoln? You know, because I, would, I wouldn't have fun if I was learning about, like, well, if somebody asked me some weirdo question, I want to have an answer for it. I would rather just immerse myself in it. How do you do it? Yeah, um, it is a little bit of... Um immersive you know I at the beginning I tried to read every book I could and then I learned I shouldn't be reading every book on Abraham Lincoln because there are some books out there that you go oh wait a second this isn't a peer-reviewed book or this isn't truly an academic book Um, so I've also been able to learn um, how to choose maybe which books might be more beneficial to me but you know what i also, I, I go to um, YouTube a lot. Um, you, you mentioned, um, I'm sure you, you've, you've been to the Presidential Museum mm-hmm. um, here. You know, they have a YouTube site where they actually, where they post um, some of their speakers. Uh, James Cornelius is um, somebody who I really enjoy um, talking to. And that's another wonderful thing about being in Springfield, Illinois, with all of these sites. I love the fact that when I do have an obscure question, I can actually just email James and be like, Dear James, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tell me about this. And, you know, and he'll give me uh, an answer back. Um, so that's another thing um, is that I'm not scared to ask somebody a question. Um, because since I did come from a place where, like I said, I, I was so insecure and I didn't know hardly anything that, so sometimes when I feel like I don't know an answer, I'm not embarrassed by it. I just go, okay, let me see if I can find that out for you. Or if I have a question in my own mind, I go about, I try to figure out, okay, how can I best find this answer? Do my research in, in other words. And, and you should never be scared to do that research or to be embarrassed that you might not know that particular answer. Yeah, that, and that's that's so similar to teaching. Uh, that's why I really like that this place is such a place for education. It's making that leap of faith and, you know, and experience, I mean, going through all that learning, going mm-hmm. through, you know, some of that struggle, self-doubt, I mean, that is the learning process. Mm-hmm. And then I, I try to explain that to my students all the time. You know, when it is difficult or when you have moments of, am I going to get there? Yeah. That is what you want. And that's what makes it so exciting and fun. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it is a ton like teaching. And if they've asked you the question, they don't know the answer either. So it's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not like somebody's gonna be like, oh well, actually. That's why you, you just know. make it up. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. That always turns out real well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Probably this. Yeah. So all right. So for for the listeners that we have that may not be from Illinois or may be from Illinois, um, when a visitor comes to the Lincoln Home uh, in Springfield, and and I gotta say, when you're in Springfield, there's just and maybe it's for me because I'm such a huge Lincoln fan, Lincoln enthusiast. I just feel an energy in the city. He, you know, you see him everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you know, new stuff, old stuff. It's just, but just to, to walk where he walked and to be where he, you know, in the same city, but also to see the people. Yeah, right. There's and like they an go energy. Into the museums. They mm-hmm. have the same interests. They want to learn. You know, you're seeing people, young families coming together. I'm sure you've seen people from all over the world right. come to Lincoln's right. home. That's well, just... like just yesterday, we were at the Lincoln Tomb, and this guy came running up, and this is like a, literally 100 degrees here, and we got there right after they closed the actual tomb part that you walk in, and he comes running up. He's like, oh, did they close it? And like, oh, you know, we were just kind of like, and like, you know, you kind of have like a little moment where he wanted to go in. You know, like we're all here. Like there's every tourist here is here for the, for a similar reason. So there's like an energy to that. So when people visit Springfield and come to the to the Lincoln home, what is a typical visit like? Or I guess maybe one of the better questions is, how would you suggest they go about s- scheduling their day and mm-hmm. scheduling a visit here? That's a great question um, because a Lincoln home is very, very popular. We do have people from all over the world. Um, July 4th, we had over 1,000 visitors inside the Lincoln home. Um, so it's, I think it's very important to schedule your day I hate to say it, but you have to schedule your day around the Lincoln home. Um, I always suggest people make Lincoln home your first stop. Um, Our visitor center opens at 8.30 a.m. And that's where your visitor center, that's where you get your free ticket. Now, it is free to go inside the Lincoln home. Thanks to Robert Todd Lincoln. I hope I can get a chance to say that, to tell that story um, in, sure. a, in a little bit. Um, and then you get put on a tour. We're only allowed to have 15 people per tour. And a lot of people ask us, why only 15? Well, because that is the actual house of Abraham Lincoln. That's a resource. The house itself is something that is important for us to protect. So we do have to limit the amount of people in there. So you get put on your tour and then you um, get a time. And then your time, like be it 11.30, 10.30, 9.30, whatever, um, you, you're at the benches and that's when you are greeted by a ranger. And that's when our rangers just kind of kind of begin more of an informal kind of um, program. You know, we're just kind of talking, we're chit-chatting, answering questions. Um, I like to play trivia uh, with uh, with Ooh. my uh, visitors. You know, just to you know, just to kind of loosen things up a little bit. You know, um, get people talking. And that's when um, we begin. Then at your tour time. That's when we officially begin the formal presentation. And that is when we take you through the home of Abraham Lincoln. And that tour is roughly about 25 minutes. And But we take you through every room of the house. And then at the end of your tour, you're free to explore the neighborhood. During the summertime, we have our living history people here, and they are wonderful. Uh, these are people who are dressed up in period clothing. Um, they represent um, just like general public or general neighbors of the Lincoln um, neighborhood. But we also have Abraham Lincoln and Mary Lincoln here as well. So those are also some folks that you get to visit with. The thing is, our tickets go very, very fast. So that's why I tell people, 
it's better to make Lincoln home your first stop of the day. Even if you don't want that 930 tour, you can schedule for a later tour later on that day. But you can't make reservations the day prior because all tickets are first come, first serve. So you could uh, walk up and say, like, say it's 930 and you say, you know, I don't want to take a tour until 330. That's fine. We will save those 330 tickets for you. But then you have to promise to be there at least 15 minutes early so we can give those tickets to you. Right. And I was just talking to one of our listeners who's coming this week. And I'm so proud because that's very similar advice. Come get a time, go to the museum, get some lunch, come to your time. And that's like a really, really good day in Springfield. Absolutely. Um, Or come and do the tour. If you can get on an early tour, then you've got your whole day to to explore the city. So. Um, it's so cool. So you mentioned a trivia question. What's your go-to trivia question? Um, well, my first trivia question is how many people knew they were in a national park? I'm raising my hand. <laughs> and you would be surprised that, that some people are a little taken back by the fact that they are at a um, historic site um, run by the National Park Service. It, usually when they see our hats, mm-hmm. that's when they go, wait a second, something's, you guys are different. Um, we have a wonderful relationship with our state sites. We really do. Um, so I tell people, you know, don't be afraid to ask us questions and we'll help you around Springfield um, to get to the tomb, to get to the museum, to get to the old state capitol. We're more than happy to help you with that. So again, it's not a Jets and the Sharks type of situation. Mm-hmm. We all get along very, very well, but uh, we are National Park Rangers here at the Lincoln Home. Yeah, and that's one thing that's unique to, I think, a little bit unique to Springfield where um, like many presidential museums are run by the National Archives. Mm-hmm. Link, the Lincoln Museum is run by the state of Illinois. Um, like, so this is really the only real national part to the Lincoln sites, yet you don't feel like they're different agencies. Like it's definitely a cohesive Lincoln community for sure, um, which I think is very, very cool. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting though how uh, if you want to give your, your students or yourself a little lesson in federalism and you know the different <laughs> different branches you know different levels of government because like there's different government agencies that control everything um and then of course you get the state house and the state capitol down the street and we'll reserve comment down there i don't think now. that's your top priority when you come down here the, the students <laughs> like who wants to learn about federalism so uh you mentioned robert todd lincoln and, and yeah. you want to give us a little bit of history of the home and including uh including bob's contribution absolutely um So when Abraham Lincoln and his family left the home in February of 1861, they made a decision not to sell the house. And it was for a very practical reason. Abraham Lincoln wanted to make sure his family had a home to come back to after he was done being president. Um, But however, I don't think we should dismiss any emotional ties. Abraham Lincoln and his family may have had to that house. Unfortunately, after the assassination, um, Mrs. Lincoln did not want to come back to the house. Um, She had just been through a very traumatic experience. Um, I think it was just a little hard for her to come back. And Robert was going to continue his law studies at the University of Chicago. Because remember, even though he graduated from Harvard, he stopped to go join the war. And so he was going to continue his law studies over in Chicago. So it just made sense for um, Mary, Robert, and Tad, or Thomas, um, to move to Chicago. Now, Robert made the same decision as his dad. He said, I don't want to sell the house. How about we just keep renting it out? So other families continued to live in the Lincoln home after the Lincolns, but none of them were owners. They were always renters. Finally, in 1887, Robert sold this house to the state of Illinois for $1. And he had two conditions. 
One, the house always remained in good repair. Two, nobody ever gets charged to see his dad's house. And in 1972, when the National Park Service took over, we continue to honor Robert's wishes. And I think it's really important that we highlight that because a lot of people ask me, well, why the dollar? Well, the dollar was so he could put those conditions on. So this way he could say, nobody ever gets charged to see my dad's house. And what Robert has done for us, he has made it so everybody has the opportunity to see his dad's house. And I think that is so wonderful and something that we do uh, need to acknowledge. Because could you imagine if you got up to the Lincoln home and you were told for whatever reason you can't go in it? You know, so to me, I think it's just so wonderful that Robert did that. And I am a fan of Robert Todd, by the way, Robert Todd Lincoln. I think sometimes like his, I think um, we're starting to um, do to Robert what we did to his mother so many years ago. And that was um, demonize him. You know, it's interesting. We demonize Robert in order to sanctify Mary, just like how with Mary, we sanctified Lincoln and demonized her. So I am a big proponent of Robert Todd Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's kind of funny to think of him as a landlord, like, you know, <laughs> like, like rent, renting out his house and all that stuff. Yeah, but, and, that's, and that's what I really like, that it's free, just because, you know, like I said before, I feel like these, these things belong to us, mm-hmm. all of us, all of us Americans and really citizens of the world as well. Um, and in all of the national park services are not like that. You do have Correct. to pay, pay to get into a lot of them, which is not a, you know, it is what it is. Um, but it's, it is a luxury to come here and, and have it free. Um, and it's nice that the agreement is still acknowledged, even though Robert Todd Lincoln is, is long gone. Secretary of War, comma, landlord, <laughs> you know, among other <laughs> Minister things. to Great Britain. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly, which is actually kind of an important position. There's a lot of presidents that had that role at one time or another. Man, something went wrong with the house. It'd probably take a while to get that letter out to Britain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. 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 Something's not working. My landlord never gets back to me. <laughs> what could be more important than me? <laughs> so, um, when you take a tour, um, and when I've been on the tours, it's been always been fun. There's some jokes built in. It's, there's, it's always interesting. Um, what is your favorite thing about the tour or something maybe that you bring to the tour as, you know, are you, are you able to kind of put your spin on it as, as, you know, as a ranger? Yes, we are definitely, um, encouraged to build our own interpretation of the home. And what I love about the home, you know, of course I, when I first started, I had that curatorial background where it was all about the tangible and lately, um, it's becoming a little bit more about the emotional experience for me. Um, so Abraham Lincoln believed in the ideal that every American should have the opportunity to improve his or her economic and social condition. So that is, and so that's an intan- that's a tangible way to look at the house. That it was because when you look at Abraham Lincoln's house and you see he had this opportunity and he wanted to make sure everybody had that opportunity to be able to make their lives better. That's wonderful. That That's a great thing that I talk about. But I also understand that people today really since the time of Abraham Lincoln's death visit his home as a place to memorialize his life, seek meaning from his struggles and achievements, and find inspiration um, for, their, for their lives. And so for those two things for me, to be able to mix that tangible and that emotional 
experience is something that I try very hard to do. And it is, and in all honesty, that is my favorite part that I can talk about those two very important aspects of Abraham Lincoln and be able to deliver that message to, to the public. Right. And that, I think that's a essential part of just the whole Lincoln experience in general. And we've been kind of talking about it for a couple of shows now, just, and that's, what's fun about being in the Lincoln home. You can kind of pretend a little bit about, wow, what happened here? What could have happened here? Mm -hmm. What typically happened here? And that's why I like the tour because when the times that I've been on it, it is, it is a lot more about the Lincolns would do this here, the Lincolns would do that here, and it's much less about in this room, so-and-so came in and Lincoln had a meeting right here about this, right. which I personally I would think is kind of cool because I like that piece of history as well, but I'm not really imagining a lot or I'm not really picturing a lot. I'm thinking more like, oh, something big happened right in front of where I'm standing as opposed to actual human beings were here and they had emotions and they yeah. they lived here and, and, it, and it puts a human element onto a mythic family and a mythic figure in a way that I think is really important and endearing really for, for students of history and, and really for any visitor of the, of the home. Um, how many tours do you give a day? For me, it depends. Um, when we're very busy, because it does depend on visitation, I've given as many as nine tours a day. And today, um, I might only give maybe two or three because like right now, since I'm um, doing the interview with, with you two, and later on this afternoon, if the rain clears up, um, another ranger and I are going to be a part of Paint the Street in downtown Springfield um, through the Springfield Art Association that I'm really, really excited about. So it just kind of depends on my day. But usually, so on average, I'm going to say probably about like six or seven tours a day. So with, with such a small group, you know, kind of the feel I would imagine could vary drastically throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So how much do you change mm -hmm. as far as your presentation depending on the group dynamics that you have before you? Uh, that's a great question, and that's another reason why I do the trivia game at the beginning of the tour, because um, not only am I um, engaging with people and we're playing like a fun game, it does kind of give me a little bit of insight as to um, what kind of group this is. Is it just after lunch and they're not really into answering trivia? Um, you know, everybody's kind of sleepy, ranger included, you know, things like that. Or is this group really on it? And, be, and based on a trivia question, somebody might ask a question to be like, well, wait a second, can you explain a little bit more about this? And then that gives me a little bit more insight into, oh, okay, this is, gonna, this is how this tour is going to be. So that's why for me that trivia game at the beginning is really important because it does help me kind of figure out which way I'm going to go interpretively when I'm in the house. Are they, are they asking me questions about the furniture or are they still kind of unsure who Abraham Lincoln is because they might be from a different country? So maybe they need that February 12th, 1809 beginning, as opposed to another group that is like, nope, we're on it. Um, really pull out your stops, Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I, it's, and I'm always, you know, anytime there's trivia involved, it's basically like, you know, how I annoy my wife with like being so excited about, you know, answering questions <laughs> and whatnot. But I try to, you know, sometimes, because I've read a lot about Lincoln and it's mm -hmm. kind of a hobby of mine. Uh, but I think it's important for people who don't know very much about Lincoln to come to places like Absolutely. this. So, like, you know, I get mildly annoyed, like, like the the person playing Stump the Ranger at the yeah. at Independence <laughs> Hall. Like, you want people who don't know 
you want people to learn. So yeah. if they're here and, they, and they're not extremely knowledgeable, that's a good thing in a way because yeah. now they're here to learn. Um, so I always want to welcome that. Like, you know, don't ever feel intimidated going to a, a national park or really anywhere and say, like, I don't know anything about this. Like, good. <laughs> well, Stump the Ranger almost becomes let's put the focus on me and take it away from the historical mm -hmm. site or, you know, whatever the, uh, you know, the purpose of the place is. It's, it's me showing you, I know just as much <laughs> when and really do they ever. You're, you're, yeah. Your fellow tour tourists are like, yeah, come on, man, turn it, turn it down a notch. But, um, so have you though, and I don't want to talk about annoying people playing stump the ranger, but have, you know, what are some questions that you typically get or is there any mm -hmm. question that was like, really insightful and, and out there that you maybe you weren't prepared for that was kind of an interesting experience? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how different questions come in waves. Like, for example, it was very, very popular um, lately, it seems like, to ask questions about Abraham Lincoln's dad. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden, I'll get like, five or six tours of somebody asking about Abraham Lincoln's dad. And I'm like, wait, did a book just come out? What, what, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, I'll, there's a, like, especially when the movie came out, the mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg movie, there were a lot of questions about that movie in particular, like what was right, what was wrong, what did you think? So it's really interesting how as, I don't know what it is, what kind of social consciousness happens, but... For some reason, you get you do start to hear these clumps of questions that um, that people just seem to be tuned into. Um, and lately, it has been about Abraham Lincoln's dad. That is the one. Those are the questions that I've been getting um, the most lately. Um, see, I'm trying to think of one where I just honestly just felt um, so stumped about Lincoln. I, I guess the ones that truly um, stumped me, I, I guess, are more about like, how do you think Lincoln was feeling about about the color green and you're just like oh you know I guess he liked it you know I try to I try to make a joke where I say well Mrs. Lincoln said he couldn't tell the difference between pink and blue <laughs> um so it's though it's those kind of questions that in all honesty I, I will never know the answer to those right. and I don't know if anybody will know it's it's nice though that they give you questions the, they give you the respect like obviously you know everything right? <laughs> yeah. down to his emotional <laughs> response to things how I do got, you I got a hunch though that the next big question might be uh have you ever met those rail splitter guys yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. something like that. I think that's coming absolutely. down. That's yeah. start happening. Possibly. Let's, let, we can only hope. Um, so when you're answering that question, like the, I think the father, the relationship mm -hmm. with his father question is a great example because I think, you know, there's so much depth there because, like, you know, we could have, a, we, and we, I'm sure we will at some point have a whole episode on how his relationship with his father really was a driving force behind his ambition, in my opinion, and really perhaps sowed the seeds, not from a belief standpoint, but sowed the seeds of abolition because of how their relationship was and, you know, how it bordered on abusive in, in certain ways. And, you know, there's all kinds of, like, really deep things you can get into from a, from what that relationship did psychologically to Abraham Lincoln. Um, 
how do you answer that question on a tour mm -hmm. when you got, what, 30 seconds or so? Absolutely. So the way um, I talk about Thomas Lincoln is actually when I'm in the formal parlor and I talk about how much Abraham Lincoln loved to read. Um, but he only had maybe one year of formal education, if that. I mean, you can make the argument, say it was only nine months, whatever, um, but less than one year. And the reason why was because Abraham Lincoln's father, Thomas, pulled him out of school. Now, it, because he needed young Abraham to work the farm. But the thing is, I don't think that was Thomas Lincoln being a bad dad. That was a reality of 19th century farm life on the frontier. And, uh, and so I, I don't believe in St. Thomas, but at the same time, I'm not going to go so far and say he was an abusive dad because I, I don't think he was because there are certain standards that we have as parents in the 21st century that are not the same standards that they had back in the 19th century. Um, I do think the interest, the um, relationship that Abraham Lincoln had with his father was an interesting one. Um, I think these were two people who were just very different, um, and that was the part of the reason there. But I don't think Thomas was a bad dad. Um, but I do agree with you that I think there were parts of that relationship that did drive Abraham Lincoln to a certain life that was not his father's. So are you with me on that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. I and, yeah, and certainly I think I am looking at it with a 2017 lens to say that it was boring. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that he was literally abusive, but, mm -hmm. and I think that's a big premise of Michael Burlingame's work is that yeah. Lincoln be, being worked so hard and, and being forced to give everything that he earns directly to his father, who I think he disagreed with and how he, what he did with. And, and Lincoln's earliest abolitionist thoughts were based on everyone is entitled to the, the fruits of their own labor. Absolutely, And yeah. I think that's where those seeds were sown a little bit for him was oh, when yeah. he's like, I just took a raft trip down the Mississippi River and risked my life dozens of times only to give you the money right away, you know, <laughs> uh, or whatever it was, you know. Um, and, and, the, and then there are like the anecdotal pieces like, yeah, he did not visit his dad when he was dying and he did not name everybody you were supposed to name your son after your father. And he did not do that until Thomas, Thomas. had already passed. Yeah. Um, and then... He did not call that that child Thomas. He called him Tad. Um, so you know, take that. Then you have to interpret that. Like, how do right. you interpret that? But it, you know, I guess if I were to answer that to a student, how do I take? You know, of course I would probably just ramble on because I love talking about Lincoln. <laughs> so, so that's kind of interesting to like kind of get your take on how you do that on a tour when you're crunched for time and right. not everybody may be interested in that. Um, I, and, and I, I was just thinking there where you're telling that story. You know, the fact that. He, he wanted a different life than his dad. And then, you know, that makes him so relatable mm -hmm. because think of how many kids, you know, just and how many parents want that for their kids. I mean, that's what part of what makes Lincoln so relatable, and I think we can understand that. And also that's kind of like the this idea of the American dream or whatever, you know, whether you believe in that and mm -hmm. all that. But um, I, to me, that makes him so relatable as a person and understandable, um, and, and I think that's part of the appeal of Lincoln. Mm -hmm. is that we can see where he's coming from, you know, um, and things of that nature. Um, and one thing, and I know we're kind of getting close to time just because you've got a, you know, you've got a busy day, <laughs> it sounds like, ahead of you, um, that I just wanted to ask you about. You, you've mentioned uh, the family quite a lot, and one thing that I really like about the tour is this tour, in my opinion, is set up not as Abraham Lincoln's home, at, but it is the Lincoln family home because yes. that's what it was. 
Um, what are some elements that you kind of incorporate to make that kind of a family home feel? And what do you think is missing from the conversation in general about Abraham Lincoln in regard to his family? One of my favorite rooms um, in the house is the sitting room. This is the sitting room where you can imagine Abraham Lincoln being just a dad. Um, in the sitting room, we have a stereoscope on display, and it is the original stereoscope Abraham Lincoln purchased. And how it worked was Mr. Lincoln put a picture in and then told the boys to look through the eye devices, and the pictures would appear as if they were in 3D. And that was an exciting toy for William to have to have. But I do kind of bring it back to Mr. Lincoln's childhood. Um, what I try to do is I try to make um, comparisons a little bit. And I said, you know, Abraham Lincoln didn't grow up with fancy toys like this. So imagine the joy he had in giving this toy to his children to give them a childhood he never had. And perhaps Abraham Lincoln played with the stereoscope as well, that he was having a little bit of joy with this. And so what I try to do in the sitting room is I do try to set up that family environment because in the formal room, you know, you weren't really encouraged to goof off in the uh, formal room. Um, and Abraham Lincoln chose to sit on a rocking chair in more formal company. It just kind of made things com more comfortable for him. But in the sitting room, he would sit on the floor because it's a more casual atmosphere. And it's on the floor that maybe he's sitting and reading a book to his children. Maybe he's wrestling with them. Um, maybe they're, he's trying to keep William Tad from fighting over the stereoscope while Mrs. Lincoln is seated next to her sewing table and looking at her family as she's sewing. And also remember the Lincolns did have pets. In 1860, they had a dog named Fido and I am not making that up. That was the real name of the dog. And Abraham Lincoln was also known to collect stray kittens, um, something that Mrs. Lincoln once referred to in a letter as her husband's hobby. Wow. <laughs> so... A cat man. I liked it. As the owner of a cat, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, when we were in Rocky Mountain National Park, we went for a horseback little tour thing. And I, I referred to my horse as Old Bob, even though ah, my yeah. horse was... Not male mm -hmm. and not named Bob, but, uh, <laughs> but we, that, we can pretend a little bit, right? Yeah, and that was the name of Mr. Lincoln's horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, old Bob, yeah. Which I think kind of, I just don't know why I can just picture him addressing old Bob. I don't know, it just feels like a good name for him to give a horse, <laughs> along with Fido and, and, the, and the cats. What's your favorite part or maybe favorite item of the house? Oh, wow. that That's really hard. Um, there's actually um, two items, um, and they both belong to Mrs. Lincoln, actually. Uh, one is a cake plate um, that Mrs. Lincoln had. And we always say that Mrs. Lincoln uh, made Abraham Lincoln's uh, favorite dessert, white almond cake. Now, to be honest, we actually don't know if that was his favorite dessert. Um, but I like to say Lincoln was smart enough to tell his wife that whatever she made him was his favorite dessert. And then the other object um, that belonged to uh, Mrs. Lincoln is her um, there's some, there's a chest of drawers, like a dresser upstairs in her room that I absolutely love because that dresser originally came from her home in Kentucky. So that means that dresser stood not only in the Lincoln home, but in Lexington, Kentucky. And that's just also just another tangible comparison of the childhood Mrs. Lincoln had, um, compared to her husband's childhood. Oh, and I do have one more I have to mention. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, that's fine. Um, it's one um, 
that we normally don't keep out on display, but we have a replica for, and that is Abraham Lincoln's lap desk. And that was the lap desk that um, he would have used while he was riding the circuit or while he was traveling to write any law, law documents, um, you know, any kind of um, speeches and things like that. So that's another thing that I can just imagine Abraham Lincoln just traveling and using that, that lap desk. One of, one of my favorite things to do here, um, and what's, what's really nice about this particular park is that, um, one, it doesn't feel like a park. It feels like the, the town of Springfield as it was, just kind of, you know, as if it were dropped in the, you know, <laughs> kind of dropped in the middle of Springfield. Um, but to walk through, you know, just either early in the morning or, or after the park is closed, you can walk down 8th Street, right? Mm -hmm. And just kind of let your mind wander, let your imagination go. So do you ever get to get a chance to kind of reflect on the fact that you're in such an amazing place? Every day. Mm -hmm. Every day. Um, I Yesterday, um, it was actually a part of my... Um, uh, my duty to close the Lincoln home. And I just felt, I know, I know it sounds really strange, but just the fact that I was the one who closed the gate, locked the door, and made sure that everything was okay for the next day meant so much to me because it felt like I would, it's interesting, I don't know if you've noticed this here in Springfield, but we still refer to Abraham Lincoln in the present tense. And so, and at the end of the night, you know, it's just one of those, okay, Mr. Lincoln, see you tomorrow. You know, and it, it just felt so special to me that I have this honor and this privilege to help take care of his and his family's home. So every day I reflect on, I still can't believe I'm here. I still can't believe they pay me to talk <laughs> about Abraham Lincoln is amazing. That's outstanding. I think that's a great question awesome. to end on. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that pretends <laughs> to talk to Mr. Lincoln because I do it sometimes too. Um, well, so, it, it does kind of feel like he is like still a resident here. Yeah. Um, and, in a sense, he is. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it so cool about coming to Springfield. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like he's like the most famous resident, um, you know. And, yeah. and that to me is the great appeal of this place. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of that energy that you feel. You feel his presence. And, and I, you know. I, I think that it's not like you're talking to a ghost when you say see you tomorrow, like his presence is here and is in the Lincoln home. It's just so, such a cool place. So but Ranger. Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, but the house is not haunted. No, uh, no. I do want to mention that. It no, it's, is not yeah, haunted. Yeah, yeah, these are all in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. His presence is in a good way. He's not going to wake you up at night and freak you out. He's going to, he's going to inspire you to, to fight the, fight the good fight. So Ranger Rose, thank you so much for taking the time to, to meet with us this morning. Uh, we do have our weekly feature that we always end each show with, and oh, we yes. ask our guests to supply it. So this week in Lincoln, this week has been brought to us by Ranger Rose. I'm going to turn it over. What do we got? Um, so like my favorite, like pop culture, yep. I'm sorry, yep. but I do have to go back to Wayne's world. Yes. And that is, um, <laughs> Garth saying if she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. That is one of my favorite quotes. And it, and to be honest, Wayne's world is a favorite movie among the Rangers here at Abraham, here at the home of Abraham Lincoln. So the fact that it was quoted in that movie just makes us all smile. <laughs> so that is my favorite moment. That's an excellent moment, and as a high school teacher, you'd be shocked how many people have not seen Wayne's World of those students, and they need to. Travesty. So I might actually incorporate it into my curriculum. 
Do um, you really? No, but I should. <laughs> yeah. Although my boss is right here right now. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so a young person comes up to you and doesn't know much about Abraham Lincoln and hasn't seen Wayne World, and then you're in a dilemma, like, what do you do first? What do you do? You, st- you do? <laughs> do you start learning about Lincoln, or do you watch Wayne's World? I think what you do is you, you get Use Wayne's World to <laughs> initiate the learning yeah. of Lincoln. And once you there hit the Abraham Lincoln line, that's when you say, all right, here's my foothold into it. So we're, we're 90s kids, so like we Wayne's are, World, yes. it was yep. like the, the coolest thing to do in middle school, to quote that movie. Um, just, yeah. Yeah. It was more the movie. We weren't. I wasn't allowed to stay up and watch Saturday Night Live, so it was always <laughs> like the movie in the early '90s. So that's a great example, and we'll definitely put that out on social media. So, uh, any parting thoughts for us from the Lincoln home? Maybe a maybe a ten-second uh, pitch for why you should come, other than what you've just heard of this podcast. Why should people come to the Lincoln home? Well, I think people should come to Lincoln home, uh, walk where Abraham Lincoln walked, but also more importantly, please. Um, visit your national parks, talk to your national park rangers, and everyone have a wonderful summer and find your park. Yes, I agree. Nick, any parting thoughts? Uh, And when you come here, you know, uh, ask, hey, when's Ranger Rose going out there? I need to go with Ranger Rose. Yes, the travel tip, come early, get a a slot, and if you can, ask for which slot is Ranger Rose's because it'll be a great time. So thank you again, Ranger uh, Rose Harmon from the Lincoln Home. We really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and we'll be tweeting at you and tweeting back and forth. So if you guys Absolutely. have any comments about that, uh, definitely do that. Do you want to kind of give a quick shout out for your social media presence? Uh, yes, it, you can just pretty much find us at Lincoln Home NPS. All right, Lincoln Home NPS. So thank you for tuning in this week. We will see you next week. And until then, keep walking the world with malice toward none and with charity for all. And we will see you soon. <laughs>